What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, October 15th, 2020. Thank you very much for tuning in. Two more games to recap. As of the time of this recording, one game has concluded. I'll talk about the second one. I'm actually currently watching the second one. As I record this, when I record segment two, I will talk about the then-concluded Rays Astros game. I feel like I made that way more complicated than I needed to, but there are two games to talk about. I'm going to start in this first segment by talking about game three of the NLCS that went on yesterday between the Dodgers and the Braves. You know, I I would have bet house money that, or is that the term? I don't, I'm not an idiot, so I don't, I don't gamble on sports, but I would have bet a lot of money if I was a betting man that the Dodgers would have beaten the Braves yesterday. I thought they had a pretty amazing response against Atlanta the other day, uh, nearly rallying and coming back in game two. I thought there would be some carryover. You're going up against a rookie pitcher. Uh, boy, oh boy, uh, did they ever lay the smackdown on the Braves. How about an 11 spot in the first inning including a Max Muncy Grand Slam. And what will get lost in the shuffle here is that the first batter of the game, which was, of course, Mookie Betts, hit a ground ball deep in the hole at third base to Johan Camargo. Or Camargo sorry. He threw a great throw to first base, originally called out. They reviewed it. He was ruled safe. Floodgates then opened. The Dodgers scored 10 of those runs with two outs. But, you know, you do wonder... How much the entire game, the entire game would have changed if not for that call. So if there's anyone out there who ever complains or whines about instant replay in baseball, uh, don't. Because there's a reason why it's there. It's because of plays like that. 11 runs in the first inning put the thing out of reach, making it 15-3 to was the final score. Uh, obviously, you know, not a very entertaining game outside of that first inning. But you know, one thing I've talked about for a long time with Atlanta, as impressed as I've been by this run, it really is remarkable what they've done and what they'll continue to do. They're they're still in pretty good shape here. You know, as, as Brian Snickter talked about, they didn't have to use any of their big relievers. Shane Green did pitch an inning and a third, but you didn't use Smith. You didn't use Martin. Didn't have to use Melanson, right? You were getting blown out. I don't think they ever used a, a, a position player at any point, I think they were considering throwing in Charlie Culberson to pitch an inning or two. Didn't have to do that, but you know that they they didn't have to use any of their big guns. They're still up two two one in the series. Ultimately, look, they, they got completely popped. It only counts for one game. It is not worse than what they did last year in the NLDS in Game Five when they gave up ten in the first inning to the Cardinals. That ended their season. This only counts for one. You know, you got to throw it in the trash and move on. There was a brief moment yesterday, and I, I wanted this to happen. I don't know why. I guess it just would have given me more to talk about. But there was a brief moment yesterday where I actually thought the Braves could consider forfeiting this game. Now, I looked into that rule. Apparently, you can just forfeit. The manager can just come out and say, hey, we forfeit. Now, I, I believe the opposing manager has to approve of it. But, I mean, Dave Roberts isn't an idiot, so I'm sure he would have said, yeah, go ahead and forfeit. But... Look, the game was over, okay, and, and I, I, I'm fine with them giving it, you know, a few innings to see if you can get a rally going. I mean, I think, I think it's a bit ludicrous, but by the time we got to the fourth inning, it was 15 to one. You have six more innings left. The odds of the, no team, I don't believe, in the history of baseball has ever come and come back from that many runs down. We're playing all these games. 
consecutively. If this thing goes seven games, they'll have played baseball for seven consecutive days, which in a regular season situation is a pretty tall task. I mean, guys get gassed playing seven straight days of baseball. In the postseason, it's a completely different animal. There was a brief moment where I, I didn't, I knew they wouldn't do it, but I wondered at any point, I wish someone would have asked Snickter about this, if they ever at least considered it. And I'm sure it would have led to a million think pieces. Oh God, Brian Snickter doesn't trust his players. Brian Snickter didn't believe in the comeback. It's it's not about that. It's about being reasonable. Like we talk all the time about analytics and sabermetrics and numbers and, and how important they are to the game of baseball. Well, there was a number there that completely backed up why a forfeit probably would have been advantageous for the Braves. No team's ever come back from 15 runs down. And they sure as heck weren't going to do it yesterday. Julio Urias, pretty solid for the Dodgers. Five innings, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and five strikeouts. That's a guy, and they've kind of bounced him back and forth between the pen and the starting rotation. That's a guy who's still really young and I don't think has even scratched the surface of his potential. I still think he has ace potential. Made his major league debut when he was like 18 or something. Dude's an absolute freak, and he was very good for them yesterday. They did give Kenley Jansen an inning of work in the sixth. It shows me something, and that's that I don't think they have a ton of faith in Kenley yet. I think they're slowly in a weird way with that appearance yesterday. You know, they wanted to give him some work, but I think they're kind of trying to rehab him a little bit and see if he can get some of that confidence back because, look, he's lost a lot of miles per hour in terms of velocity off of that cutter, which, I mean, for a long time justified logic. I mean, dude was throwing cutters at 98 miles per hour. That was never going to be sustainable. He's lost it quite a bit. I mean, uh, cutter velocity is like 89 miles per hour. Now it's dropped in each of the last three seasons, a substantial dip. He was really bad in the NLDS against the Padres, nearly blew game two for them, but they brought him out yesterday and he pitched, you know, he pitched an effective scoreless inning for them, a fairly meaningless inning in a 15-1 ball game. Ultimately, the final score was 15-3. to Look, I-, I give the Dodgers a lot of credit here uh, because this is still probably, it is, I mean, them and the Astros, but probably even more so the Dodgers, the most experienced team left in this postseason. They've made a lot of deep runs in the postseason. They've made it to the postseason a bunch of times. They've won the division eight years in a row now. They knew what the situation was. They knew they had to win that game. They went out and with what is a a completely loaded offense, they went out and they did exactly what they had to do. And one positive I think that they have had this entire postseason, because I think where they've fallen apart over the last several postseasons and why they haven't won a World Series is the fact that they have a lot of really talented players, but a lot of them, Bellinger, Seager, Kershaw, when they get to October, really struggle. Corey Seager's hitting the cover off the ball. Max Muncy hit a grand slam yesterday. Cody Bellinger went deep and made an awesome catch yesterday. Jack Peterson with four hits yesterday. I mean, they had 16 hits. If those guys wake up and play to their full potential, this is the best team in baseball. Like, bar none. And I like the Atlanta Braves. I've spoken their praises a whole lot. But I think talent-wise, the Dodgers are still a far more complete team. And we'll, we'll see if they show it. This is a big start for Clayton Kershaw today in Game 4. Looking forward to seeing that. Now, when I get back, I'm going to recap the second game yesterday between the Astros and the Rays, but I'm also going to talk about who the Tigers actually, it was revealed, interviewed for the managerial position a couple days ago. I will be right back. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. 
the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we're back. Thank you very much for tuning in. Before I recap the Rays-Astros game that just came to a conclusion, it was revealed, I believe, it was, uh, I'm not going to call him my friend, but a, a mutual Twitter follower of mine, Tony Paul, name drop, by the way, I, I apologize for that egregious act of name droppingness. Uh, Tony Paul, I believe, was the first to report that the Tigers had interviewed Marcus Thames for the managerial position. Marcus Thames, 43-year-old hitting coach for the New York Yankees. You know, the more I've looked into that, that hire would make a lot of sense. It would make a whole lot of sense. This is a guy, young guy, would be in it for the long haul, hitting coach for the Yankees. The Yankees have been one of the most successful teams in baseball. All jokes aside about, you know, their inability to get it done in the postseason, that offense has a tremendous approach at the plate. They don't give away at-bats. And look, I think you could say, I guess, that the Tigers' offense took a small step forward in terms of their approach at the plate in 2020. I I, I have a hard time saying they took a big step because, one, it was such a small sample size. And, two, I, I don't know if it was necessarily guys' approaches changing as much as it was you just had a better lineup. You had more veteran presences in that clubhouse like Scope, like Crone. Now you did have some guys like Jacoby and Jamer Candelario who kind of came into their own and had pretty good seasons. But uh, this organization still has a long ways to go in terms of how they develop hitters. I think a guy like a Marcus Thames in that managerial position who knows he knew how to hit at the big league level, big time power hitter, played for the Tigers in 2006. It would be a good PR move. I think it would be a good move for a lot of fans would say, hey, Marcus Thames, I remember him. All right, I think that's a good hire. Avila might win some fans back. I think he would come fairly cheap. I don't see them. I haven't really brought this up, but I don't really see them dishing out the money to pay for a Cora or a Hinch, which I think is embarrassing, but it's just the, the natural order of things at this point. Right now, and I, I have no sources to back this up, if you you know put a gun to my head, and they also interviewed Lloyd McClendon, but if you put a gun to my head and ask me to give who the favorite is for the Tigers to hire at this moment, I would probably say Marcus Thames. Uh, I That hire to me would make a whole lot of sense. We'll see what happens. In the second game last night, the Houston Astros kept their season alive with a gutsy 4-2, I'm sorry, 4-3 victory over the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays nearly tied it up there. Willie Adamas missed a home run by about a foot that would have tied the game there in the top of the ninth inning off of Ryan Presley. Really good performance by Zach Greinke. He goes six innings, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. You know, we know what he's capable of. The guy's, the guy's a great pitcher, an all-time great pitcher. You know, I think will be in the Hall of Fame, one of the best fielding pitchers of all time, innings eater, you know, tremendous stuff. And even when he lost velocity on his fastball, he learned to become a much more of a pitcher. I mean, he's very deceptive even to this day. And I thought he was great last night. On the other end, and this is going to be a minor rant here, but it's just something that gets under my skin. I, I, I want to choose my words carefully here so I don't get roasted by the 10 people who listen to this podcast. Tyler Glass now might be the most overrated pitcher in baseball. 
And before people jump on me for that, I need to explain. I think Tyler Glass now, given the Rays' ability to develop starting pitching and given the steps that he's taken forward since being traded by the Pirates, I think he has potential to be an all-star caliber pitcher, maybe even a top 10 pitcher in all of baseball. He has an elite arm. I mean, fastball yesterday was peaking at 101 miles per hour. Like, it was hitting triple digits consistently, often. I mean, incredible stuff. Uh, a fastball and triple digits with, with cutting action on it. I mean, you just don't see that ever. It's, it's, a, it's a live arm, potentially once-in-a-generation arm. I don't understand where that his reputation as a gamer is came from stuff excellent cannot deny that right tyler glass now has unbelievable stuff and i think he'll grow into something that's very good and he's pitched well in the postseason in the past he pitched well against toronto in uh their their game against the blue jays earlier in the wild card round got the win there you know got the win against the yankees even though he didn't pitch very well on two days rest pitched two plus scoreless innings like he's very capable of pitching good baseball and he's got great stuff but Tired of hearing people say, oh man, you don't want to face Tyler Glass now in the postseason. He's tough. Why? What's he done? Dude has a live arm and an electric fastball. A few years, I could see him developing into an elite talent. But people need to stop talking about him like he's Verlander. He's never done anything in the postseason. He's never really done anything in the regular season. He had 12 great starts last year before he got injured. Besides that, his career ERA is like 4-3. It's nothing special. He'll grow. He'll develop, but I think people are putting the cart before the horse with him. He's the third best pitcher on his own team. I trust Snell more than him. I sure as hell trust Morton more than him, and he wasn't terrible yesterday. Six innings, eight hits, four earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts, but like there were a lot of people coming into that game last night that believed it was a foregone conclusion that the Rays were going to win because they had Glass now on the mound. Why? What's Glass now's signature moment as a pitcher? And I'm sure he'll have one. Guys, the stuff is too good for him not to be, but again, I think people are... are Putting the cart before the horse. I think he'll be a very good pitcher. People need to calm down with some of the hype that has been placed uh, for him. Uh, a gutsy effort by the Astros, like I said. Jose Altuve with a two-run home run yesterday, his third of the series. Like I, I do give the guy credit, and I know a lot of people are basking in his awfulness and in the yips he had making several errors at second base. The guy still is, and people are going to try to cover their ears and go, nah, 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 and act like this isn't true, but it is. Jose Altuve is one of the greatest hitting second basemen, one of the greatest second basemen period of this generation. He still has a solid shot of making the Hall of Fame. His pedigree thus far in into his career is is second to none. I mean, the guy's been, had a really remarkable a tenure with the Astros, and yes, you could say it's tainted, but we saw last night this dude is still capable, and throughout the series, this dude is still capable of hitting bombs, and the Astros kept their season alive. Look, one sad fact that a lot of people aren't going to want to admit is that even if the Astros lose this series, they've still kind of won in the long end. Like, the people who believe that that team was going to fall off the face of the earth we're, we're wrong. This team's playing in the ALCS. You know, they, I mean, I, I don't see them coming back and winning this thing, but they still have an outside shot, I guess, technically, of playing in the World Series. Yes, the stupid 60-game season and the ridiculous playoff expansion helped their case, but all the teams that were complaining about how awful it was that, you know, they even got a shot to play in the postseason this year, they made it farther than a lot of them. The Yankees spent the last year and a half, or not year and a half, but the last 12 months talking about the, the crimes that were committed against them 
Astros with with an injured team, tons of injuries on that baseball team, including losing Justin Verlander for the season. He pitched one game, and they still made it farther than the New York Yankees. Like you can hate the Houston Astros all you want, but the, at the end of the day, they've kind of proven a lot of people wrong this year. And I know that's going to anger people to no end, but it's just a fact. With that said, I think the the Rays are going to take care of business and win one of these next two games. Uh, I think I still think they're locked in. Bats came alive a little bit there uh, late in the ninth inning against Presley. And ultimately, look, I think it's it's a pretty remarkable thing that this Astros bullpen has done, you know, being able to be stitched together despite all the injuries that they've had. And offensively, they've had injuries too. Losing Jordan Alvarez was such a massive loss for them. But I, I do feel like at some point that big five, six, seven, eight run game is coming for the Tampa Bay Rays, I, I, I similar to the Braves, who have had a plethora of pitching injuries, or, or just guys who opted out of the season, or guys who have put together poor performances, I feel like eventually that stuff is going to catch up to the Houston Astros as well, and the Tampa Bay Rays are going to take advantage of it. I think they'll be in the World Series here within the next few days. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a five star, five star review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. I will be right back here tomorrow recapping two more playoff baseball games and also recapping some potential news regarding the Tigers managerial search, if there is any news that is. I will be right back here tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day and go, Tigers.